Hello, this is Leslie Garfield-Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact. Today I'm speaking with Professor Heidi Brown, author of The Introverted Lawyer and Untangling Fear in Lawyering, about preparing for your moot court experience. Professor Brown is the Director of Legal Writing and Associate Professor of Law at Brooklyn Law School. She's written several books and is skilled and schooled in how to prepare for oral arguments. In this episode, Professor Brown talks about preparing for oral arguments in an online world. Before we get started, I want to remind you that we are available on all platforms, and we'd really appreciate it if you'd like us, rate us on any of the platforms on which you listen to us. As always, you can reach us at lawtofact.gmail.com or tweet us at lawtofact. Here's my discussion with Professor Brown. Okay, thanks for joining us. So we find our students in an odd predicament in that they are going to have to complete the oral arguments, which is a requirement of the American Bar Association, um, and they're going to have to complete them online. So I'm wondering if you can give us some advice. Before I begin, though, I do want to thank you as a recurring guest because we have another podcast from you that just talks generally about getting over the anxiety of um, podcast of sorry, getting over the anxiety of oral arguments, and so I refer um, my listeners to that. But let's talk specifically today about oral arguments in the time of Corona. So, what would you suggest? Well, and speaking of anxiety, I'm sure we're all uh, struggling and grappling with whole new layers of anxiety, and especially our students who are having to adjust to trying to do oral arguments online. But I've been thinking about this as a great opportunity for us all to sort of improve the way we communicate over the internet anyway. So I think this is a good learning moment and teaching moment for all of us, not just for oral arguments, but all kinds of virtual communications. But what I've been trying to talk to my students about is, first of all, learning, getting up to speed on new technology. I mean, as of two weeks ago, I had never taught a class over Zoom. So (laughs) for myself, I had to sort of model a growth mindset. So just initially, I've been trying to encourage my students to just embrace this as a new learning opportunity. Let's learn how this technology works. Let's look at some examples online. I, I think the Ninth Circuit just had uh, a Zoom argument, and I just shared another example of a Zoom argument that happened um, this week. So this is happening. Everybody's having to adjust, and it's just a great learning opportunity. So that's the first thing I would suggest. Um, another thing that I've noticed myself in trying to teach online is is that I need to slow down. So for me, being an introvert, phone calls and and video chats and Zoom meetings can be very draining. So what I used to do before I had to be on video was I used to stand up when I was on the phone. Now I can't really do that if I'm on video because people can see me (laughs) pacing around my office. Um, So I think it's important for us to get to know ourselves a little bit too and how we either perform well or maybe not so well when we are on camera. So that's another step that we need to to do before we actually step into these arenas. And then I think once we kind of think about how we would normally prepare for an oral argument, we need to think about how we can change that for a virtual setting. I've been trying to look at this like we can't just take what we do in the courtroom and shift it online just like we're shifting it from one courtroom to the other without making some pretty substantial changes, I think. Uh, it's it's just we can't 
keep business as usual. We have to really adjust to this new medium. And that's going to take into consideration how we individually present, how we slow down our, our pace of speaking. We also tend to fill space, which when we're communicating over the internet, we interrupt each other more and, and we can't see each other's visual cues. So we're going to have to adjust to really pausing and listening to other people and not just saying, um, you know, speaking too quickly, which causes some interruptions and things. And then I have some ideas about how we can encourage judges to ask questions differently. Um, but I didn't know if you had another question for me before I go to that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, before we get to the judges asking questions, I guess, so can you just kind of lay the expectations for each student in terms of the actual experience? In other words, everyone's going to be on Zoom and will someone stand up? Like, well, what do you, what do you see the actual um, argument playing out as? What I've, the ones that I've observed so far in, in actual courtrooms, so the, the students will be able to see, well, if, if the different schools are trying to create the experience like real courtrooms are doing, they'll see a few judges, their, their video, um, their, themselves on video. So the students will enter the courtroom, the virtual courtroom. They'll see the judges' faces. Everybody will probably take a few minutes to make sure the technology is working. So this will be different from how we usually, you know, kind of command the podium and, and take charge. And when, we, when we're ready to, to speak or we, we're given the indication that it's our turn to speak, we just kind of roll in and do it. I think there's going to be a little bit of, um, you know, a few more minutes of preparation this time. Make sure everybody's technology is working. They can hear each other. What I've observed so far is that uh, the judges in real life seem to be very collaborative in terms of making sure everybody knows this is different. This this is new for a lot of us, and that's okay, and we're going to work together and try to make this experience work productively. So then I think the students should be prepared to to start speaking like they normally would. I, I'm envisioning judges waiting a little longer to start interrupting students. I, I think the Supreme Court actually came out with a new rule before all this happened that they weren't going to interrupt advocates for the first two minutes of their presentation. Hmm. So if I had my druthers, I would encourage all uh, Zoom oral argument judges to do that same thing just so everyone can sort of ease into it. I don't know if that will be the actual case. But I think students will have to um, have a a scenario at a, a place, sort of a podium, not really a stand-up podium, but just make it look like a, a professional presentation mode in their apartments or their homes or wherever they're going to be doing these oral arguments that looks professional, have a good professional background, have a flat surface. They can keep their, their notes or whatever they're going to need to be referring to. But they're going to need to practice making eye contact with the judges just like we would in real life. And, and being prepared to take visual cues that would be more obvious when we're face-to-face, but that now we're really going to have to pick up on a little bit better when we're looking at judges through a screen. So, so that would be initially different preparation techniques. All right, so you, this, I mean, your, your d- detail of what's necessary is so important, but I just want to re- 
I want to repeat something because it's a really good point. I think that, that you have to look like you're in a courtroom setting, which means that you need to make sure you have a screen behind you and not your unmade bed. Um, it <laughs> means that you need to practice eye contact so that your computer is at the right place so that when you're looking at it, um, and you should be standing up. And you know, even and even if you know, there's that perception that kind of wows the judges that you took this seriously. And the last thing that I was thinking of as you were saying that is that I think there seems to be a relaxed dress code now that we're all at home, but you need to be in courtroom attire to do this. Um, and, and perception is 90% of it. So really dress as if this were a courtroom. Um, but those are really great pieces of advice. Yeah. And when, when you mentioned standing up, I I think, I kind of joked earlier that I used to always stand up when I was on on phone calls because for me, in terms of someone who does struggle a little bit with anxiety, it helps me breathe better to stand up when I speak. So I think it would be good for students to maybe set up a sort of podium situation, maybe on a countertop or on a a table with, with a nice professional background, maybe just a blank white wall and, or, or, you know, monochromatic colored wall and, and also, yes, wear something that makes you feel like an attorney, makes you feel like this is this is not us, you know, just trying to navigate our days now at home in our sweatpants. But we're going to get dressed, you know, take a shower, you know, feel feel professional, and also having having your notes in a in a um, some sort of mode to hold your notes so they don't rustle around. Because what I'm noticing on conference calls and and one-on-one discussions with my students is that we're all sort of rattling our papers and moving things around, and it's more distracting on camera than it is when we're sitting in our offices. You also made a great point about the camera. So I noticed when I first started practicing teaching over Zoom that I have a, um, a laptop with a camera that's in the lower left-hand of lower left-hand corner of my screen. So the the view of of me um, speaking is a really bizarre angle. So I actually ordered a webcam, a pretty inexpensive webcam, as this all this was unfolding. And I had I'm the most technologically challenged person on the planet. So for me to set up a webcam in the right location was a huge <laughs> accomplishment. Um, but I did, and now I I can make eye contact. I can look right into the camera, and it was really easy to set up. So that's a, a worthwhile investment if students can have access to a webcam or order one if, if they're still able to have things delivered if their camera on their laptop is not in, in a prime location. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just, <clears throat> excuse me, just the, the, the silly little thing that people may not know, if you're doing this via Zoom, if you point the up arrow to the right of the, um, to the, right of the video, you can make your own virtual background. That's so, great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So actually, we were just in a faculty meeting, and one of the faculty members had a law office background. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about the judges. What were you going to say about judges and their questions? I've been trying to brainstorm about how we can improve how we ask questions as judges anyway, even if this weren't happening. And um Personally, I'm not a huge fan of interruption, and, and although I know that's a part of, of an oral argument, obviously judges need to be able to step in and, and ask the questions they want to ask. But in doing this virtually, it might be good for judges and students to think of more effective ways for questions to be asked and answered. I think it's going to be hard for students, and they need to be prepared 
to realize that a judge is trying to interrupt them. They might not hear it initially. When, when judges are asking questions and students are still speaking, some of the words might get just lost in cyberspace because this, this is just the way it happens when we speak to each other through a screen. So I've been wondering if there are ways for students to make suggestions about how we can handle asking questions. I, I know through teaching over Zoom, I've really appreciated tools like the raise hand feature. I know we don't want to ask judges to raise their hands, but, right. but there, there are tools that we can use in these online platforms to keep track of questions. Uh, there's the chat feature. Maybe there's even ways for us to have the timekeeping of an oral argument be done in a way that's visual. So the student can, huh. instead of having to look at the time cards, maybe there's some sort of clock counting down or something that'll help students be able to handle interruptions by judges' questions make sure they've answered them properly, be able to shift back seamlessly to their argument, but also keep track on the time. I just think that technology can maybe give us tools that'll help make the Q&A aspect of oral argument even more organized than it is in real life. So, so listeners, um, email your professors with good ideas on timekeeping and um, point all of those um, issues that you think you can suggest, you know, suggest to improve, which brings up the next point, which is this is unprecedented. It's the first time that something like this is going to go on. And so I think that there needs to be a little self-forgiveness when doing it. I mean, usually, you know, you 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 do your oral arguments as a student, you have incredible, you know, I or anyone has a lot of um, anxiety, and then you go and it's the fastest five minutes of your life. But then you relive those five minutes. Yes. Yeah, so Obviously, we're all going through a huge period of adjustment, not only in the United States, but really all over the world. And I, I'm sort of looking at this as a, an opportunity first for us to understand that we do need to be patient with ourselves. We need to be patient with each other. We need to be patient with our colleagues. And also, this is a huge opportunity, though, for the law students of the United States to really think about and be creative and innovative in ways we can change oral arguments really forever and for the better and, and capitalize on the things about oral arguments that are positive and worked in the past, but maybe even improve things about them that they really could be improved incrementally now that probably forever in the future, we're going to be doing at least some oral arguments online. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. It's true. It's really interesting to see what shakes out. And I, I assume only the good stuff's going to shake out when this is all over. I think so. I think we're all going to learn a lot. We're going to learn a lot about our legal profession. We're going to learn a lot about teaching and learning and communicating virtually. I admit, I have, I have, not, I have not been good at it <laughs> in the past. And, but I'm looking, I'm excited to work with my students to figure out ways of, of communicating about the law that are more effective and more positive and more helpful, not only to us in legal education, but to the legal system, members of the participants in the legal system as a whole. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's not easy. The, the, the Zoom teaching is difficult. It's, to me, it's like juggling a lot of balls in, in your hand at one time because you're trying to make sure everyone is getting it. And, you know, anyway, um, that aside. <laughs> yeah. Let me make a quick point about introverts, too, because, you know, that's sort of my uh, passion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for an introverted person who I, I love teaching and when I teach, 
I, I put every ounce of energy into it. And I, I do tend to feel drained when I finish teaching, but I'm realizing the same thing is happening on Zoom to, to an even higher degree. Yeah. So I think we need to be gentle with ourselves because teaching on Zoom, even for the first, second or third time, we're managing even more than we do in the classroom because we're looking at maybe a PowerPoint, we might be sharing a screen, we're trying to manage the technology, we're trying to manage the chat, we're trying to uh, facilitate students raising their hands, which I love that feature. I mm -hmm. think it's really be helping the classroom be more inclusive of different mm -hmm. voices. But uh, translating all that or transferring all that to oral arguments, it's the same thing. It's going to be a little exhausting for us when we when we start this out, but we will become better at it. You know, so two things that you say strike me. First is that I am exhausted when my class is over, and I can never figure out why, and now I understand why. To your point, I'm doing 82 things at once. But the thing that I have loved about teaching on Zoom, and I don't love a lot, is that students who don't normally ask questions in class are asking questions on uh, in the Zoom chat room. Um, and so I hope for those students that they've found their voice, and when we do go back to um, to classroom learning that they continue to speak and ask questions. Any last pieces of advice for students as they head to their oral arguments? My advice would be definitely be patient with yourself, be patient with this process. We are rooting for you. We all want you to succeed. We want all of our schools to succeed in this incredible transition. And if there's anything we can do or I can do to help anybody, we are here for you. And I, I loved your point about students who normally haven't been felt comfortable speaking in class using these new technological tools to get their voices heard. I think the more that we encourage students to experiment with different ways of communicating, we're really going to change that aspect of legal education, too, because I, I my hope is that professors will realize that giving students a, a more variety of, of ways to communicate, not just through the Socratic method in class or being cold called, is really going to help us include more voices in the classroom. So I encourage students to just try it out. This is our chance to experiment. So we're all behind you. Thanks, Heidi. And, and once again, I want to recommend your books, which are available um, on the ABA book site and on um, Amazon. And I have the link in the bios to your books, The Introverted Lawyer. And, um, Okay, wait, I'm going to edit out these last few minutes, so I just want to say, we'll say goodbye in a second, but let's say goodbye and then let's talk one more second. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I think this has been about as chock full of advice as any podcast I've ever done, so thank you. Thank you. So that's my discussion with Professor Heidi Brown. Her book, The Introverted Lawyer, A Seven-Step Journey Toward Authentically Empowered Advocacy and Untangling Fear and Lawyering, A Four-Step Journey Toward Powerful Advocacy are available on the ABA website and at Amazon.com. I highly recommend both of them. You can also look at our liner notes for this podcast, and we have a link there. Thanks, as always, to www.bensound.com. And for those of you practicing for your first moot court experience, we wish you the best of luck. Have a great day. 